Good evening, everyone. Good to be here as the people of God together on a Saturday night. Give him thanks and praise. Anyone here so they don't have to dodge the city and surf tomorrow? Would have been a good decision. Why don't we just take a moment to pray and commit this time to the Lord. Father, we just thank you for your goodness to us. We ask that as you are with us this evening, we might be encouraged and you might be glorified. And we just pray that as we listen to each other, to your word preached, uh, to prayers and songs and in everything that we do, uh, we would want to be listening to you. And we just ask that you would speak to us tonight by your spirit in Jesus' name. Let's stand and sing. Lord Almighty, our 
outshining all the stars in glory. Your love is like the widest oceans. Oh, nothing else compares. You are the Lord Almighty, outshining all the stars in glory. Your love is like the widest oceans. Oh, nothing else compares.
you as we've been reading in Romans the last couple of weeks. We do want to offer ourselves to you as living sacrifices. Praise you that you're in the process of renewing our minds so that we might know your good and perfect will. Lord, help us to stand against the pressures of the world, however that comes to us. We just praise you as we worship you. We can see things change. We worship you together tonight as part of your people. Amen. Going to um, sing a new. The guys on Sunday have sung this a couple of times, so we'll see how we go. Friend of the bridegroom, he turned and he said, "He must be greater, I must be less." Look up, he's standing at the altar. All wonders and wisdom, mysteries done. Love is forever to know as I know. Look up, he's standing at the altar. have made ourselves ready every single one dressed in fine linen shining like the sun the battle is over the victory is won the world and its kingdom the kingdom of the sun 
different Jesus, a first love ignored, a different spirit, remember the Lord, look up. He's standing at the altar, my lamp it burns brightly, piercing the night. Watching for Jesus, living the life, look up. He's standing at the altar. We have made ourselves ready, every single one. Dressed in fine linen, shining like the sun. Battle is over, the victory is won. The world and its kingdom, the kingdom of the sun. No spot, no stain, guilt free, no shame. No spot, no stain. Guilt free, no shame, no spot, no stain. Guilt free, no shame, no spot, and no stain. Guilt free, no shame. We have made ourselves ready, every single one. Dressed in fine linen, shining like the sun. The battle is over, the victory is won. The world and its kingdoms, the kingdom of the sun. The kingdom of the sun. The kingdom of the sun. Amen to that. Please say hi to someone round about and take a seat. Well, good evening, everyone. Good to see you. My name is Chin. I am one of the pastors at Subi Church. It is good to see the Saturday evening service so packed. I understand, you know, we, you are trying to avoid city to serve tomorrow, but, which is great. But one of the blessings of Subi Church is that we do have a Saturday evening service. Now, one of the things I announced a few weeks back, if you remember, is that we are going to be celebrating Subi Church's 125th anniversary in a few weeks' time. So I mentioned that on the 16th and 17th of September, save the date, right, a few weeks back, if you remember. And I'm going to tell you a little bit more about what's happening that weekend. So the theme for the whole weekend, that what we want to do, is that we want to celebrate God's faithfulness to us. Can you imagine? We have been here for the last 125 years. So for that weekend, we have two main events. Number one, the first big one, is that we are going to have a big celebration dinner together for the whole church, for the whole church. That's on the 16th of September. That's a Saturday evening service. That also means that we will not have the Saturday evening service for that weekend. And if you go upstairs, if you look at our timeline, if Hopefully you've seen that timeline of Subi Church over the years. One of the photos is that you see in the 1960s is there's a long table with the whole church having a meal together. 
We want to do something like that on, in 2023. We want to celebrate God's goodness and faithfulness. So all of you who call Subi Church your family, spiritual family, or Subi Church your home, you are invited for this dinner. All right, so this is not limited or exclusive. So we haven't done a church-wide sit-down dinner for a long, long while. And what better way, what better time to do that than to celebrate God's faithfulness than to come together over food, right? Food is very biblical, very important. So we have great things planned for the evening. It is a sit-down dinner. We'll have good food. We have quiz. We have prizes. We have a photo booth for that evening plan. Now, hopefully you also notice that this building is not the Perth Convention Center, right? We don't have space for a thousand people. We are limited by our space. So please let me invite you and let me implore you, please register as soon as you can if you are, if you are able to come with the link behind me. We promise to, to try to fit as many people as we can, as many people as we can, because we want everybody who calls to be church, your home, to be able to come. We come fit a thousand people, unfortunately, but as many people as we can. So that's the first event. That's the celebration dinner on the 16th of September on a Saturday evening service. Sorry, not service, Saturday evening. Second thing that we're going to be doing is on Sunday, so we will have our normal church service time of 9 and 10.45, but it will be a special service where we come and celebrate God's goodness and faithfulness. There's no kids' ministry for that weekend because we want them to come and join us together as we celebrate. We have special videos planned and commissioned because we want to celebrate God's faithfulness to Subi Church in the past, how uh, Subi Church was like in the past, God's faithfulness to us today, and God's continuing faithfulness in the coming years. So the whole theme, we are, whole weekend, what we want to focus on is really we want to remember God's faithfulness to us as a church as we celebrate 125 years of our anniversary here. So let's do that together. Let's do that together as a church because we want to look to God. We want to look to Christ because He is the one who loved us and gave Himself for us. So that weekend, 16, 17 September, if you can come for the dinner, please register with the link behind me. Very important. And then if you can't make that, please come on a Sunday because we want to see you there and celebrate that together as well. Thank you. Now let me invite Sean. Good evening, church. It's time for our memory verse. So if you have your card, you want to bring out your card or you can look at the screen. I'm not sure. Yep, the screen have it there. Okay, so let's do this. It's Romans 11, verse 33. On the death of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable is judgment and his path beyond tracing out. Thank you. Young children, you are now allowed to go to your classes. Indeed, we haven't seen such a big um, service on Saturday for a while. My name is Sean Kam. I'm one of the elders of the church. Welcome you. If you have not been here before or you're new here and you spoke, haven't spoken to any one of us, you can see each of us will have sort of a red lanyard. Come and approach us after the service. More than happy to share a bit more about our church and our facilities here and also all the different ministry we have here. In front of you, you'll see, you'll see a QR code. You can actually scan that now with your phone. This is a way of communication to the church. You can put down your details, your prayer. Also, let us know what's been going on in your life, any praises that you want to share with us. Um, if you do want to fill it up physically, there's also a card next to your seat somewhere. 
you can actually use that to fill that up. At the back of the, of the um, auditorium, there should be a box there for you to drop it in there. It's time for offering. We have changed way of offering, as you know that for a long time now. Um, you are allowed to do your electronic transfer. There's a card at the back of the auditorium. You can pick that up and show you how to register for your offering. If you still want to do the offering by means of just dropping into a box, there is a box at the back too as you exit on the left-hand side. Let us pray for our offerings. Father Lord, we thank you indeed that you all your provision for us. Countless things have happened in our life in the week that we sometimes don't even think about it. But we know that, Lord, those are your blessings. Those are the things that you have forgiven us and that we sometimes don't even think about it. Lord, we ask that you will bless us as now we're giving it back to you, a small token of our appreciation to, for the service of the church and also for the community. Lord, we pray that you will use it for the extension of that kingdom's work in Subi Church. Lord, we thank you indeed and pray all this in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Just one upcoming event, very short. On the 1st of September, Friday, time between 12, uh, from 10 a.m. to 12 noon at the Church Cafe. This is the Art Seat Program. And on this first Friday of each month, the cafe is filled with people from different churches, from our church and also local community coming together to do some art and craft connect with each other and listen and talk about God. The next art seat is this coming Friday. You are welcome to join and come along and bring a friend. I'm not sure whether you know, if you do walk down this street here on the corner of Subi, there is a corner there that actually do this little art program. Every once in a while on Friday night, I have coffee with one of the dear brothers of church uh, when my kid is in youth. He always said he wanted to go in there. He always said, I should go in there and learn how to draw something. And it's one of those things that you can come here and do for free. You don't have to pay someone for it. Okay. Let us do the congregation prayer. It's one of the things that we do in Subi Church to thank you God for his blessing and also look forward to the blessing to the church. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for another day that we can gather to worship you, to sing praises to you. As Psalm 8 says, What is mankind that you? the Lord of all creation, and mindful of us and care for us. How majestic is your name in all the earth. You have loved us with an everlasting love in Christ, sealed in our hearts by your Spirit. We praise you that we are now your children, able to approach you in our prayers and confident that you have heard us and when we call upon you. We thank you for the book of Romans and all the glorious truth that you have shared, given us through Paul. We hear about the great gospel news, rescuing sinners from the realm of sin and death into the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Now help us to live a life of worship in love of our brothers and sisters in Christ. As we will read in Romans 14, help us to stop passing judgment on one another, but instead to love them making every effort to do what leads to peace and mutual edification. We pray for those who have weary hearts this morning, this afternoon, evening here. We pray for those who are walking through the valley of the shadow of death. Please be with each one of them during this time, and may your presence comfort them. May our gather today remind them of Christ's love for them. 
We pray your spirit will minister to them at this time. We pray for all of us here that your spirit will continue to draw us closer to Christ and transform us to more like Christ. We pray for Pastor David as he preaches the word today. May your word penetrate our hearts, renew our minds, and motivate our hands as we worship, glorify, and obey you. May your spirit take your word and make it take root deep into our hearts so that we are like trees planted by the stream of water, bearing fruits for your kingdom. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. This week's Bible reading is taken from Romans 14. If you are able to, I invite you to stand for the reading of God's word. Accept the one whose faith is weak, without quarrelling over disputable matters. One person's faith allows him to eat anything, but another, whose faith is weak, eats only vegetables. The one who eats everything must not treat with contempt the, the, the one who does not. And the one who does not eat everything must not judge the one who does. For God has accepted them. Who are you to judge someone else's servant? To their own master, servants stand or fall. And they will stand, for the Lord is able to make them stand. One person considers one day more sacred than another. Another considers every day alike. Each of them should be fully conceived in their own mind. Whoever regards one day as special does so for the Lord. Whoever eats meat does so to the Lord, for they give thanks to God. And whoever abstains does so to the Lord and gives thanks to God. For none of us lives for ourselves alone, and none of us dies for ourselves alone. If we live, we live for the Lord, and if we die, we die for the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. For this very reason, Christ died and returned to life so that he might be the Lord of both the dead and the living. You then, why do you judge your brother or sister? And why do you treat them with contempt? For we all stand before God's judgment seat. It is written, As surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me, every tongue will acknowledge God. So then, each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. Therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in the way of a brother or sister. I am convinced, being fully persuaded in, in the Lord Jesus, that nothing is unclean in, in, in itself. If anyone regards something as unclean, then um, for that person it is unclean. If your brother or sister is distressed because of what you eat, you are no longer acting in love. Do not by your eating destroy someone for whom Christ died. Therefore do not, let what is, do not let what you know is good be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating or drinking, but of righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and receives human approval. Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. All food is clean, but it is wrong for a person to eat anything that causes someone else to stumble. It is better not to eat meat or drink wine or to do anything else that will cause your brother or sister to fall. 
So whatever you believe about these things, keep them between yourself and God. Blessed is the one who does not condemn himself by what he approves. But whoever doubts, has doubts, is condemned if they eat, because their eating is not from faith, and everything that does not come from faith is sin. You may be seated. G'day church, uh, and welcome to those of you watching online. It's great that you could join us if you're new or just visiting. A special warm welcome to you. My name's David, one of the pastors here at the church, and uh, we hope that your time with us is a blessed one, and if you are looking for a church home, we'd love you to consider making Subi Church your church home. I want to begin with a story. Uh, it's a story about two mates, Matt and James. They're in their early 20s, and Matt and James get blind drunk every Friday and Saturday night. They start off drinking at the pub, the Claremont Hotel, uh, they drink throughout the night, and then when the pub closes, they stumble their way down to the nightclub, the Av, and they keep drinking till the early hours of the morning. And most weekends, they wake up next to a girl who they don't know the name of. This goes on for a number of years, and then both Matt and James get converted to Christ. The Holy Spirit convicts them that Christ rose from the dead, that he is the King of kings and Lord of lords, that one day he will judge them. And they repent of their sins, they throw themselves on the mercy of God, and they trust that Christ has paid for their sins. Uh, they see that their lives are empty and destructive, and they both know they need to change. But they change in different ways. Matt refuses to go to the pubs or clubs anymore, and he stops drinking completely. He says, that was my old life, I'm not going back there. To drink is a sin, and it dishonours God. James deals with things differently. He still likes the pubs and the clubs, he likes the atmosphere. Uh, and uh, he has friends at the pubs and the clubs. Now, he, he thinks, well, I'm not going to go back to my old life. I'm not going to get drunk or sleep around, but I know as a Christian I'm free to have a drink. I'm free to still have a good time. So both Matt and James are doing what, they, what their consciences tell them is right. But Matt, who now thinks that any drinking is wrong, starts to be very critical of James. Uh, he says, you're doing the wrong thing. Christians should not be in nightclubs. Drinking is from the devil. James, who believes it's okay to have a drink, he's free in Christ to have a drink, he starts to look down his nose at Matt. He says, oh, come on, Matt. Jesus drank wine. Jesus turned water into wine. It's okay to have a drink. Come on, just have one drink. Come out with your mate and have one drink. Now, who of the two do you think is acting in a Christian way? Okay, we'll, we'll come back to that. You've got some answers, great. How should James and Matt sort things out? Because Christians often have differences of opinion, differences in their convictions about how to live the Christian life. Have, have you picked that up? Yeah. See, we can 
we can believe in the same essentials, those things that the Apostle Paul calls things of first importance. We can believe in them, those things you have to hold to to be Christian. We can at the one time believe in them, but we can at the same time have very big differences of conviction, of opinion about the non-essentials, the non-gospel issues. What do we do when we have differences in conviction over these non-gospel issues? Do we change churches? Do we have all those who think drinking is from the devil sit on that side and all those who think drinking is not from the devil sit on that side and we don't talk or we do talk but we just talk behind each other's back? Well, our passage today, Romans chapter 14, helps us to work out how we deal with each other when we have these differences of Christian conviction. So have a look with me. We're in Romans chapter 14. Uh, There are just two points in the talk this evening. The first one is this. Respect other Christians' consciences over non-essential issues. Have a look with me in verses 1 and 2. Except the one whose faith is weak without quarrelling over disputable matters. One person's faith allows them to eat anything, but another whose faith is weak eats only vegetables. In the church in Rome, there were two groups that were having disputes with each other. Paul calls them the weak and the strong. The weak were Jewish Christians who insisted that even though they were now Christians, that they still had to keep the old Jewish sacred days and diet. And so uh, they would keep the Jewish Sabbath, did no work from sundown Friday to sundown Saturday, and they refused to eat meat. This was not for health reasons. It was not for uh, pro-animal rights. But devout Jews... Would, eat, would, would only eat meat if it was prepared in the prescribed way. And the only way that a devout Jew could be 100% sure was not to eat any meat at all. So McDonald's and Hungry Jack's didn't bother opening it many stores in Jerusalem. See, Jews were told from when they were knee-high to a grasshopper, whatever you do, don't bite into a pork chop. Right? It'll make you unclean as a Jew. But then Jesus comes along and he says... It's not what goes into your mouth that makes you unclean. It's what comes out of your heart that makes you unclean. You want a Big Mac? Go for it. You want a bacon sandwich? Go for it. But the the consciences of many Jewish Christians weren't able to accept that they were now liberated from these Jewish special days and diet. They felt like they would be dishonoring God if they didn't keep the Sabbath and if they ate meat. uh, Paul calls them... The weak in faith. He's not saying that they don't love Jesus. He's not saying that their faith in him is weak. He's saying that their understanding of their Christian freedom is weak. It's deficient. So you've got the weak. The other group were the strong. The strong were non-Jewish Christians, Gentile Christians, who they didn't grow up with all the Jewish uh, traditions and they didn't get why... The Jews were so hung up on their traditions, right? 
Uh, they, as they became Christians, they learnt that they were free. They were free to drink. They were free to eat. And so they started looking down their noses at the weak. Why do you guys get so hung up on this stuff? Why do you put restrictions on yourselves? Don't you know in Christ we are free? But then the weak, they said, well, hang on. No, we're the only pure Christians because we're the only ones that haven't abandoned God's traditions of old. Right? You think you're strong, but you're wrong. And Paul says to the strong in verse 3, he says, the one who eats everything must not treat with contempt the one who does not. And he says to the weak, the one who does not eat everything must not judge the one who does, for God has accepted him. Now, still today, there are churches that, uh, there are groups within churches who seek to impose their traditions on everyone else in the church. Have you met people like that? They say, you must do things according to our tradition. That's the only way. Uh, even though the Bible does not insist that we must do it that way. So, for example, uh, some Christians insist that there's only one Bible translation that is acceptable, and that is the King James Version. Right? They say, you can't use any other Bible. It's not the Word of God. Some people insist that you've got to wear a suit and tie to church. Some people say you cannot wear board shorts, thongs, and a singlet to church. Some people say the pastor can't preach in jeans. Some churches say, well, the pastor's got to wear robes. Uh, Christians can't have tattoos. Christians can't smoke. Christian men can't have earrings. Dancing is wrong. Drums are from the devil. In fact, you can't have any instruments in church. You've just got to sing without instruments. Christians must be vegetarians. You must tithe. You must give exactly 10% of your salary. You should homeschool. Oh, no, no, no. You should send your kids to Christian schools. A Christian must vote liberal. You can't have flowers in the church building during Lent. I didn't know that one. Communion must be from one shared cup, and we just share it all around. That's the only way you can do it. Uh, lots of churches dropped that during COVID, by the way. <laughs> See, some people stick to their traditions closer than they stick to the Word of God. The sad fact is that many churches have split over this issue. Uh, one church added a contemporary service to their church, and they allowed clapping during the singing. Half the church left because they thought it was scandalous. Uh, another church split into two, and one of the split churches had an undercover policeman hang around in the uh, car park for several weeks because they were worried that someone from the other church would come in and disrupt the services. We could have an undercover cop here, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. You never know. Have a look with me in verse 5. One person considers one day more sacred than another. Another considers every day alike. Each of them should be fully convinced in their own mind. Whoever regards one day as special does so to the Lord. Whoever eats meat does so to the Lord, for they give thanks to God. And whoever abstains does so to the Lord and give thanks to God. So some Christian groups, you may know this, like the Seventh-day Adventists, uh, they insist that all Christians should be vegetarians, must be vegetarians. And they insist that Christians need to observe the original Sabbath from 
sunset Friday to sunset Saturday, and they say, you must do church on Saturdays. So they'd be happy with you guys. Uh, so boss says, come in Saturday. Seventh-day Adventists will say, can't come in. It's the Sabbath. Uh, they don't allow secular forms of recreation on the Sabbath. You can't do competitive sport on the Sabbath. Uh, you, you, the only TV you can watch are religious programs on the Sabbath. Now, it's my conviction that the Bible clearly teaches that Christians are no longer bound to the old Jewish special days and diet. We are created to have a day of rest and we need it, but we're no longer bound to keep the Jewish Sabbath. But how do we, come, how do we overcome our differences? Because both those who observe the Sabbath and those who don't observe the Sabbath are, are in good conscience trying to please God, right? Those who, uh, neither group is disobeying him. So those whose conscience tells them they should keep the Sabbath are not to judge those who don't. And those who know they're free from the Sabbath are not to look down their noses on those that think they should still keep it. We need to respect one another's consciences. Now, having said that, a clear conscience is no guarantee that you are right. Now, only the word of God can tell us what is right, and so we ought to be constantly exposing our consciences to the word of God so that it is, uh, goes on being educated. Some, some people have, have to have their consciences strengthened because they've become lax. Others who have a very sensitive conscience, need to have it released. So, Paul's first point, in view of God's mercy, chapter 12, in view of what God has done for us in Christ, we need to respect other Christians' consciences when it comes to non-essential issues. The second point, don't cause anyone to stumble over non-essential issues. Have a look with me in verse 13. Therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in the way of a brother or sister. I am convinced, being fully persuaded in the Lord Jesus, that nothing is unclean in itself. But if anyone regards something as unclean, then for that person it is unclean. If your brother or sister is distressed because of what you eat, you are no longer acting in love. Do not, by your eating, destroy someone for whom Christ died. So even though Christians are free to eat meat or drink alcohol, if we insist on exercising our freedom in front of our brother or sister who thinks it's wrong, then we're being incredibly unloving. Not only would we be doing something right in front of them which they think is wrong, which is bad enough, but we could be pressuring them into doing something that their conscience is telling them not to do. And if they do what they think is wrong, even if it's not wrong, if they do what they think is wrong, it becomes a sin for them. Or you, you imagine a Gentile Christian who, who knows that he's free to eat whatever he wants. Imagine him, he's prepared himself this beautiful bacon sandwich. And he's got it there and he's, he's got the bacon just juices just dripping down his arm. And he sees his friend over there who he knows... He knows that his friend doesn't think it's okay to eat meat. But he goes over to him anyway, and he gets right up close to him, so the smell of that bacon just goes, wafts up his nose, and he says to his friend, isn't it great that you and I, we're free to eat whatever we want? 
because we're free in Christ. That would be incredibly unloving. And it could cause this Jewish Christian to act against his conscience. Christ sacrificed himself for this Jewish Christian, for this Seventh-day Adventist Christian. He paid the ultimate price. How could I refuse to pay the insignificant price of a slight restriction to my diet? Surely for the sake of a bacon sandwich or for the sake of a beer, I'm not going to cause my brother or sister to stumble. See, Christians, we are free. But love limits the freedom we have in order to care for our brother or sister. Yeah? That's the principle. Love limits the freedom we have in order to care for our brother and sister. We do that in view of God's mercy. Have a look with me in verse 16. Therefore, do not let what you know is good be spoken of as evil. See, if we put too high a value on exercising our freedom, which we've won in Christ, and we impose it on others who don't feel the same way, and we cause them to act against their conscience, then that freedom which Christ has won and is such a good thing will be spoken of as evil. Verse 17, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and receives human approval. It is better not to eat meat or drink or drink wine or to do anything else that will cause your brother or sister to fall. All food is okay. Alcohol is okay. But does that mean I can go, and go ahead and eat and drink whatever I want, whenever I want? No, not if I do it in front of a weaker brother who thinks that it is wrong. So in the Christian life, something that in itself is right can become wrong in certain situations. It's possible to have your theology completely correct, but to be completely wrong in your actions at the same time. Have a look at verse 22. But whoever has doubts is condemned if they eat. Sorry, verse 22. So whatever you believe about these things, keep between yourself and God. Blessed is the one who does not condemn himself by what he approves. See, if your convictions are that it's okay to eat meat, it's okay to drink wine, well, don't make a big public deal of it. Uh, do it with other strong believers. But when you're with weaker believers, abstain. You and God know it's right, so leave it at that, is what Paul's saying. Verse 23, but whoever has doubts is condemned if they eat because their eating is not from faith. And everything that, that does not come from faith is sin. If something is not wrong, but I think it's wrong, and I still do it, then it becomes a sin because I've done it from a rebellious heart. So if we go against our conscience, we sin. So the strong should not pressure the weak into doing stuff that they're convinced they're not allowed to do. To do so would be to cause them to sin. So at the beginning of the talk, I asked you, who was, who was, doing, who was acting in the most Christian way? Was it Matt or was it James? Well, the answer is, and some of you got it, both were not. Matt didn't believe Christians should drink. That was his conviction. 
He thinks drinking alcohol is a sin, even though the Bible doesn't say that it is. Matt was very critical of James. You're doing the wrong thing. Christians should not be in nightclubs. Drinking is from the devil. As we've seen, he's wrong to be judging his brother. Because this is a non-essential issue. It's a non-gospel issue. James, on the other hand, who knows that he is free in Christ to have a drink, not to get drunk, but to have a drink, he also knows that his mate Matt thinks drinking is a sin, but he still says to him, come on, mate, it's okay, have a drink. What's one drink? It's not going to hurt you. He pressures Matt to have a drink, even though he knows Matt is completely uncomfortable with it. If Matt does go against his conscience, then he'll be sinning and he could be headed for spiritual ruin. So, in love, James, who is the stronger, the stronger believer, he knows his freedoms in Christ. He needs to abstain from drinking when he's with his weaker brother, Matt, so he doesn't cause him to stumble. And this is the principle. Our responsibility to love is greater than our right to exercise our freedom. In the Christian life, our responsibility to love is greater than our right to exercise our freedom. We do have rights. We do have freedoms in Christ. But our responsibility to love is greater. We must never pressure another Christian to do something. They must be fully convinced in their own minds that what they're going to do honours Christ. See, believers will always differ over non-essential issues for all sorts of reasons. Our upbringing, our tradition, our culture, our preferences. There's always going to be the weak and there's always going to be the strong. The weak are not to judge the strong. The strong are not to look down their noses with contempt at the weak. In fact, the strong have a special responsibility to bear with the weak. Have a look at chapter 15, verse 1 and 2. We who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Each of us should please our neighbours for their good to build them up. For even Christ did not please himself. So even though the strong are theologically correct in what they believe, their responsibility to love is greater than their right to exercise their freedom. The strong are to imitate who? Christ. What did he do? He put the good of his brothers and sisters ahead of his own freedoms, ahead of his own rights. What rights did Jesus have? He was the son of God. He had every right. And yet he gave up his rights to life. He gave up his rights for the love of his brothers and sisters. That's the principle. It's a radical, radical relationship revolution. We've seen that as a believer, we are now, our relationships with each other are radically different from what they were in the old age. You see, in the old age, we lived in the old age characterized by death and sin. But you and I, we're not in the old age anymore. We are in the new age characterized by love and mercy and grace. In the old age, right, this is what they say, it's my right to do this, I'm going to do it. 
You can fill in the blank. It's my right to dot, dot, dot. I'm going to do it. But we don't live in the old age. We live in the new age. And in the new age, the Christian says, my responsibility to love is greater than my right to exercise my freedom. That is radical. That is a radical change. And that's what the Lord calls us to. Final verses, verse 5. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had. See, our minds are being renewed by the upside-down gospel. And when your mind is renewed by the upside-down gospel, you are prepared to give up your rights as the Lord Jesus did. So that with one mind and one voice you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. You see, as we come together as a united church across divides of sex, class, age, race, tradition, culture, preference, as we do that, as we come together as a united church, God is proclaiming to the universe through us, the church, that he has won the victory over evil in Jesus Christ. As we come together as a united church, God is proclaiming to the universe through you and I, the, the church, that his plan to bring all things under Christ in reconciliation, he's proclaiming to the universe, this has begun, and it's begun with the church. Because God does the hardest thing first. He does the hardest part of reconciliation first. He reconciles rebels to himself. And he reconciles rebels to each other. He does the hardest thing first. The United Church is God putting the powers of evil on notice, putting the forces of chaos on notice that the game is up. You have lost. God has won. So when we come together as a United Church, the stakes are very high. We are doing something incredibly significant in the purposes of God. We are manifesting to all creation his glorious victory in Christ. The stakes are very high. Unity in, in the church, the stakes are very high. In essentials, unity. In non-essentials, liberty. In all things, Charity, love. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we just thank you for the Lord Jesus. We thank you for his example. More than his example, we thank you for what he has achieved for us on the cross through mercy and love and grace. Thank you that the Lord Jesus out of love, gave up his rights and gave up his freedoms for us. It's the upside-down gospel. And I pray, Lord, as those who now live in the kingdom of Christ, that we would have our minds renewed by the upside-down gospel and that we too would be people who, out of love, give up their rights to exercise their freedom. that we would limit 
our freedom out of, because of love. We limit our freedom in order to care for our brother and sister. Lord, we want this church to be a united church. We have differences of opinion over secondary issues. But help us not to judge others. Help us not to look down our noses at others that differ, differ to us. And may we be a proclamation to the universe that you have won. This church is a witness that you have won the victory over evil because we are reconciled to you and we are reconciled to each other. We thank you for the Lord Jesus. We come now to a time of the Lord's Supper. And let us reflect on what the Lord Jesus has done. Lord Jesus had all the privileges, all the honour, all the glory in the heavens for all eternity. He gave up all those privileges, all that honour, all that glory. He gave it all up to come and die on the shameful cross where he had no rights, he had no freedom. There was only shame condemnation and he did that for you and he did that for me this is the upside down gospel this is a completely radical way of living and we think about and remember that what Christ has done for us and so right now we're going to take of the bread, we're going to take of the cup, we are going to participate in that salvation, we're going to inwardly digest faith participate again in the death and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ I want to give you a moment just to take stock and come before the Lord Father we just want to come before you we want to confess our sins to you those things that we've done this week that have not pleased you we bring them to the foot of your cross right now away, never to be held against us. We thank you for that. And we ask, Lord, that you might fill us with your spirit so that we might live for you this week. In Jesus' name. Amen. The Lord's table is for all those who call on Christ as their Savior and King. And so I invite you to stand. Come and take the cup. Take of the bread. Hold on to them. And we'll take them together in a few moments. This is not the only way we do, you can do communion, but this is the way that we do it. Please, uh, you will have a couple of uh, minutes to yourself, so please use that time just to spend some time with the Lord.
Out of love, the Lord Jesus limited the freedoms he had in order to die for you and for me. Let us eat and be thankful. Christ's love was greater than his rights and his freedom. Let us drink and be thankful. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we pray that you would take your word and it would do its work in our hearts this week.
And the dead rose from their tombs, and the angels stood in awe for the souls of those who had come to the Father are restored. And the church of Christ was born, then the Spirit lit the flame. Now this gospel truth of old, it shall not kneel, it shall not fail. By His blood and in His name, in His freedom I am free. For the love of Jesus Christ, who has resurrected me. Praise the Father. Praise the Father. Praise the Son. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. That is our response to what God has done for us. We've heard it again tonight in chapter 14. Let me finish. Father, we pray that you would go with us as we scatter into the world. May we be your aroma of life. May we be your light to the world. And may our relationships reflect what the Lord Jesus has done for us. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.